0: At Sif Pop, we're your movie friends. But are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can share movies. Like friends do.
1: There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Writer's Room. Hello, welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. This week, I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer Joe. We write for Sifpop.com, do movie reviews, best favorite challenges, lots of other interesting movie related articles. So make sure to check out the website Sifpop.com to keep up with all of that. On the podcast though, and today we'll talk about a coming attraction. Three films coming out this week that we'll kind of give our brief thoughts on and um, like on how excited we are for them coming out this week. And then we'll move on to our sift topic. It's our comic book week, which is soon to be changing to nerd culture week thing, just to kind of broaden the category a little bit. But we, since we already had this scheduled out, uh, we're talking about Batman Gotham Knight and Batman Year One, two animated Batman films. After that, we'll explore the B plot, answering a question that I came up for this week, and uh, we'll wrap up with a spinoff. But first, let's get a chance to talk with Joe for a little bit. Joe wanted to know th- there's a, th- the biggest piece of news that happened in the last week in terms of pop culture is that the Writers Guild of America is going on strike and it, they kind of released the list of things that they are like concerned about and the things that they wanted to see change and they've also submitted like response from the studios so i know that there's like a pretty decent amount in here that is like relatively like yeah we deserve to be paid more and you know and 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 like i, I know that a, a big part of it is they want guaranteed money like they they want to become less gig workers they want to be more like you know, I I don't have to worry about working on three or four different projects to support a home or things like that. You know, they want to be able to be like I could work on run show and be great. You know, and they want and they want to maintain the integrity of the writers' room. So I know that there is a lot of different issues that the WJ is fight fighting, but I wanted to just talk a little bit about the what seems to be the biggest issue, the issues that writers are most scared of and studios are most afraid to to make a commitment of, and that is the issue about you the use of AI. So, gosh, let's talk about that for a little bit, like just this one portion of the WGA strike. So essentially, from what I understand, boiled down into a nutshell, the WGA wants assurances that that two things won't happen, that one that they won't just say. For example, let's say uh, who's a really popular writer and Sorkin, right? Because Sorkin's always a really popular writer. They won't, right, correct. they won't have, let's say, chat beat, chat. GBT say, write me a script, write me a sequel script for the Westworld written by Aaron Sorkin. Um, and then AI technology could analyze his past screenplays and, and continue more Westworld or whatever without his knowledge or consent or anything like that. So they want to protect that from happening. And then they also want prote- to protect, they don't want to be essentially reviewers for ai scripts that seems to be one thing in the in the contract like they they don't want the studio to come to them and be like we had the script written by an ai we want you to take over take a look over it make sure it makes sense but you know doctor it up if you need to and then you know they don't want to be editors they want to be writers so that seems to be the two main issues i want to know what are your thoughts on all of that
0: well like with like the relevancy and like the kind of upcoming technology with ai Like I've always been kind of like super down when it comes to it because being uh, being an artist myself in the past, like you know, and trying to trying to break into that, like um, you see how much how much hard work, how much like blood, sweat, and tears goes into that artwork. So I mean, the same goes for screenplay writing. Like it's it's a deeply like um, intimate like craft, especially if you're writing something that's from the heart or something that's like directly it's like uh, like autobiography. Like how is AI going to be able to replicate that? You know, I mean, they probably could, but like is there any soul in that, you know, there's Mm. just something that gets lost in translation in in my opinion. And um, yeah, so I I can totally see why they don't want to be reviewed either. Um, I've already seen this happen with uh, like digital art and animation where they've done this. Um, There's like a video on YouTube recorder digital where they have redone anime and like have we like changed the industry, like trying to sell their technology, you know, so you can create your whole animation piece through AI. So yeah, it's, it's weird. It's it's a real hot topic right now, so I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think I think the idea of AI involvement is really exciting. I just think like it just just the same way we do any sort of AI image imagery replication cloning whatever you want to say, I think that there should be uh, limitations on that. So For example, like for when actors um, are portrayed using CGI, let's say Carrie Fisher in Rogue One, like there had to be express consent from Carrie Fisher or her estate. So I think the same should be true. But I also think that like there is a fear of they're just going to they're going to tell the AI prompt what to do. And then they're not going to notify the estate and they're going to be like, oh, well, we our prompt wasn't, you, you know, to for sorkin which sorkin's not dead you know the sorkin could come at come at them and be like you use chat gbt based off of my scripts or whatever and you know it, it would just be hearsay right because they could just say no we didn't so i think that like becomes really a really fine line um so that's why i'm like i think with i think the only time ai should be used to generate scripts is if permission from a family or an ip and then it has to come from the ip or the family so you know let's say i'm trying to think of something that wasn't like like because west Wing was kind of sorkin's baby so like something that had like a uh, different multiple showrunners and multiple you know maybe even iterations or castings or whatever i don't know like i don't let's let's sure why not let's just take game of thrones for example i know that that doesn't really fall into my category you know i'd like i think that hbo should be allowed to say with with George R. R Martin's permission, that they could do more scripts based off of the scripts for seasons one through seven, or one through eight, or whatever. You know, I mean, if they were smart, one through five. But <laughs> you know, but but I think that should be okay, right? Like you should be able to go to the IP, you know, and say like, well, we own we own the rights to this IP, and so we're going we're to be able to replicate that. Now that's different when it's something like, let's say, The West Wing, which was you know so so predominantly written and headed by Sorkin that. It feels like that should also be his permission. So anyway, I feel like I feel like I'm really excited. I'm really excited for the idea that somebody could put into an AI program, write me a new Billy Wilder script and we could get a Billy Wilder movie in 2024. Like, I think that's really exciting, but it's also scary. And again, like the Billy Wilder state would have to approve it. And I would even say like double or triple confirm, you know confirm it initially confirm it after rewrites and confirm it like before it's ever screened. Like they're the first ever people to have it screened, you know? So I would say, you know, even triple confirm just to make sure that they think that it doesn't damage the legacy or the legacy of that person. So yeah, those I checks think, and balances like seem completely fair. Yeah. That's why I think if there's moderate checks and balances, I think it's a okay, but it just doesn't seem like the studios really want to limit themselves at all. And again, like checks and balances, like, there have to be people, there have to be actual ways to moderate. Like there has to be ways for you to say, uh, to have a, a receipt for, you know, that you could prove that, you know, cause I know Ed Sheeran's going through a copyright thing right now and copyright laws are so man, it's, it, it's, it's just based off of what people think. Right. Like, and it's like, eh, sure. Why not? Like, like the whole, yeah. I, I personally think it's, it's a silly copyright lawsuit, but the, the Ed Sheeran one, but I think it's, I think that there has to be checks and balances, but there has to be ways for us to to actually have concrete footing, not just sure it is or, or it isn't on a case by case basis because opinions change over time and things like that. So yeah, I think there has to be a way for studios to prove where their sourcing came from and what and and also similarly too, like the Writers Guild of America is full of writers. Like I am a okay if studios want to start using AI generated scripts and then have editors. But like, first of all, it's just not going to be as good as the stuff that is written. But, uh, but like studios are writers, like writer writers are writers. Sorry. So if you want to ha- start having editors, then start having editors, but you know, yeah, I don't know ins- how many- it's kind of
0: insulting just to do that. You know what I mean? I don't know how many What's people proposed? are going to like
1: apply for those jobs. I don't know how many people are going to take those unless it's like out of absolute necessity. Anyway, But either way, like I even think a lot of writers might be OK with, you know, I'm not I'm not speaking for anybody in the WGA, but I'm just saying, like, I wonder yeah. if they would be interested in an AI just generated a prompt. Right. And like, let's take Lost, for example. Right. Like AI generated a prompt for there's there's a plane that crashed on an island. You flash back and forth between the real time and the and the present time. And there's revelations about characters throughout, such as, you know, one of our main characters was a prisoner and one of our main characters was a, you know, a drug addict or whatever, you know. So anyway, I and then, all right, cool. Here's your basic setup now. Damon Lindelof, go write this, you know, like I think maybe that could be a, a pretty fair compromise. But it just feels like it also feels like AI is just just kind of new. So, like, we should have a pretty firm where we're gonna go until we have success stories. So yeah, but either way, like I think I think it, there has to be a, ch- a system of checks and balances that is agreeable before for the studio and the the writers or the writers' estate. So I I don't know that that's really any new ground. I don't know that they would disagree. Do you?
0: With uh which aspect of that, like the with
1: the with the just needing checks and balances, right? Like there, I don't know that the WGA stance is we don't ever want this to happen. Now I I think. I think there would be like a limit like and like maybe even setting a limit on AI generated scripts or whatever, you know, that way not every single person could be like, we have the new Billy Wilder movie coming out, you know, and putting a bunch of modern writers out of work, you know, maybe if it would just be capped at a certain percent of all movie scripts that are produced, you know, have to come down to a, modern writers.
0: It can come down to royalties or come down to a certain percentage of, you know, of the cut, you know what I mean?
1: Well, on but I'm saying... Too, you know. But I'm saying, you know, let's let's put a cap on how many scripts are allowed to be from AI generated, um, like starting from AI generated. That way, like, you know, let's just say one percent of all produced films can 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 have an AI generated script that was, you know, let's say from the Billy Wilder estate that somebody then, you know, edited. Right. That way, like it still makes sure that the writers still have work. Not that way. Not every studio is just trying to do AI generated scripts, AI generated scripts and cut out the middleman, you know, so. I think there's checks and balances to be had, I think, and, and I don't know that the WGA would, I, like, I think they know that's, that's where this has to go, right? Like, it just has to go into systems of accountability. But
0: yeah, I just, I just thought about it now too. It's like, this isn't super important, but like, what about like, like a war ceremonies and like, like, it's kind of, kind of murky, you know, you I mean? kind of like of how, oh, how does it, how sure. does it, like, how does that
1: work? Like, sure. Is, yeah, is yeah, it like,
0: the person that edits the script? Like, are they the true?
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Who gets Just the credit. award for Who gets the award for best original <laughs> screenplay for an AI generated Billy Wilder script? Yeah,
0: is the person who writes the writes the actual script that creates the script. You know
1: what I mean? I think you have. I think you have to create. <laughs> I think you have to create a new award and have it be the editor. Yeah. Yeah. Or the script supervisor. You know. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's a really interesting thought.
0: Yeah, it's really weird, but sure. Like, I said, do you have
1: any other thoughts on the matter?
0: No, I, I think we. I think we cover the basis of like what it is like. Like, like I said, to double down, like I, I'm all gloom and doom when it comes to this stuff. Like being like a, like a former artist and like having interests in art, so I'm kind of weary of it. But you proposed some like really
1: interesting thoughts and like
0: about checks and balances and like how that could work. Um, so sure. Yeah.
1: All right, one more random question before we get going. Then, uh, Joe, I don't know what is your favorite fast food chain. Man, you don't really look fast. like a guy that does fast food, but no, I do. <laughs>
0: no, I do it a lot. That's why I work out. it's the the best reason to I have to say probably Wiener stencil I don't know what it is about it like it's Mm. not even like people wouldn't consider it even like in their top like top 10 for some reason I just really enjoy it I just I really like their chili cheese dogs and their their corn dogs just everything they they kind of offer is kind of unique to their chain they do it really well so
1: yeah sure I'm just now thinking, I'm pretty sure this question's been asked before, but whatever, we're one hundred fifty three episodes into this now, you know, we hundred fifty two it might out, actually you know? be the
0: same answer too, like if we went back
1: like like I don't know that you I don't know that I've had it with you, but yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure I've answered this question before it's chick-fil-a, Chick-fil-a' is just the best. there is there's something so special about like, look, I have problems with the organization, the the owners of chick-fil-A, I have issues with that, right? I think I think it's easy to have issues with them. I think there you know, there's lots of reasons to be upset about decisions that are made and stances that are taken and whatnot, but like their quality of food is always impeccable. (laughs) Like So, and, and I look, and I also say that as a person that like, I get chicken sandwiches every now and then, but I get salads when I go to Chick-fil-A, like, cause their Cobb salad is by far the best, like fast food salad. It's the only salad worth buying, you know, not at a sit down restaurant, but even then. I'd, I'd
0: have to say for fried chicken sandwiches, I go to Popeye's. I love Popeye's. They're I a good just,
1: yeah, Popeye's is fine. I, I don't know. I just, I grew up a KFC kid. Like I don't, I think the first time I ever had Popeye's was when I went to college. Uh, maybe even when I moved to Iowa city, which like I grew up near Popeye's, but we were just a KFC family and Popeye's is great, but I only get the fried chicken sandwich. Just to, just to
0: clarify the <laughs> other chickens. Great. But like the fried chicken sandwich is kind of like, sure. that's a go-to. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. I just, yeah, I, I think I've had it once or twice or three times. It's good. I don't know, but but it's just every time I eat KFC, like it hits me in the nostalgia, you know, like because KFC is also it's fine, it's good, it's not great, it's not terrible. I mean, some days it can be terrible, but most days it's fine, it's good. There's nothing too special about it, but it's serviceable. You know what you're getting. And the bowls are pretty good. And those it hits are, you in the nostalgia.
0: Yeah, those are pretty good.
1: Yeah, the bowls are great. So I love the sides at KFC. KFC probably more than the chicken itself, but I like I love their mac and cheese, I love the coleslaw, I love their gravy. It's all good. Anyway. Let's move on to a couple films coming out this week. Uh, Fool's Paradise, Hypnotic, and Crater. Joe, what do you want to start with? Uh, Let's go ahead and start with uh, Fool's Paradise. Sure. Fool's Paradise is a new film coming out in theaters this week, May 12th. That feels weird to say. But wow, already second second big weekend of May. Uh, this is written and directed by Charlie Day. Uh, this is his first like film directing. Uh, he's also st- starring in it. Uh, that's worth noting. Um, as well as Adrian Brody, Kate Be- Beckinsale, Ray Liotta, Jason Sudeikis, Jason Bateman, uh, Catherine McNamara, Jimmy Bell, Jimmy Simpson. Sorry, Jillian Bell, Jimmy Simpson, John Malkovich, Glenn Howerton, uh, Mary L- Elizabeth Ellis, of course, bringing on some It's Always Sunny p- people, Edie Falco, Dean Norris, Ken Jong and I think I know why I know this name, but Alana Ubach. I think she was in Freddy vs. Jason. I'm like, that's probably a name not a lot of people will know, but I remember her. Uh, <laughs> I remember that name for sure. Um, let me see if I'm correct. Freddy vs. Jason. I gotta be right. I, I'm too confident that I'm right here. No way. I'm totally wrong. <laughs> she's uh she's from the movie uh, Waitress. Not Wait- sorry, not Waitress, Waiting. She plays like the crazy one, so I'm like, I know, I know that name. I just know, I do. She's in Gotham Knight. What a weird, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, That's she's so the voice funny. of Dander, apparently. Anyway, well, that was just me going on a little side thing, but yeah. Oh, and Lance Barber, I recognize that face. That's Bob Bonderosa from It's Always Sunny. Anyway, Fool's Paradise. A fool for love becomes an accidental celebrity, only to lose it all. I watched the trailer for this, and it seems like there's more going on to it, but like. I don't really want to give anything away like to people like there's there's a man who was recently released from a mental health facility. I'm just kind of picking along the like storyline part of INDP now. Uh, Charlie Day is recently released from a mental health facility and somebody thinks he just uh, was a method actor who refused to lift his trailer. And so they're following him around and going to make him a movie star essentially. Right. Like that's that's kind of the what I got from it. Yeah, I mean, that's
0: that's essentially what it boils down to.
1: Yeah. So, Fool's Paradise, what do you think about this movie? We're, it's coming out in theaters, so we're already good with that. But uh, let's just say, schedule, budget, anything, none of that's going to take into effect. The only thing that's taken into effect is your own free will. When do you think you check out this movie? Do you think you go to theaters to check it out? Wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. Wait for word of mouth or skip entirely?
0: Uh, for me, being like a you know, just a huge Charlie Day fan and a, just a fan overall of It's Always Sunny, um, I'd say like theater's opening night for me. Uh, mm-hmm. This looks this looks great. Uh, the cast looks stacked. Um, just from the trailer, it looks like everybody is like enjoying their time on this film. Like it's been, like there's a lot of effort put into it. I like the visually how it looks, especially like it's involved with Hollywood. It has a very glossy kind of like bright look mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So that really works out really well. Yeah, and like I said, I, I love It's Always Sunny. And I, I don't know if there's even a week episode besides of well. The first season is kind of weak, but like, sure. Once it yeah. like really kicks in and they, they find their footing, it like never stops getting good. Uh, game,
1: yeah. The season, I think, 16 is about to premiere soon. I just saw they released a trailer for it. So, I look, I was totally right where you are, um, before I saw the trailer. And then something about the trailer just brought me down a little bit. I think, and I think that's good because like, I think I just had like way too high expectations for this because I just, I love Charlie Day and. I know he's also yeah, he been a writer know. on a lot of things, but like you know, like I I think he's the most watchable character in It's Always Sunny. I think him as Benny in uh the Lego movie was inspired. He's really fun and horrible bosses, especially because he's yeah. kind of playing an out of type character, because he's kind of the straight man, at least the most, you know. So Fist Fight is not a great movie, but I kinda like him in it. <laughs> so he's but yeah, he's done he was Luigi in Super Mario Bros, which I still haven't seen. Uh, little Role in How It Ends, which was a little movie I, I liked a lot. Yeah, really love him in Pacific, uh, Pacific Rim. Not, not so, so much
0: the sequel. That was
1: kind of... I mean, I really <laughs> like him in that. But, yeah. Anyway, it's just... I, I like this guy. I'm excited to see him, like, get more, like, writing credits. and Because, um, like, like he's done some... It's always, He's 62, it's always sunny. He's a co-creator of Mythic Quest, you know... Uh, so like this isn't his first gig, this is his first film, but uh, yeah, and his first directing a film as well. So we'll uh, I'll, I'll be excited to see how it goes. I don't know, just I think my expectations were really high because I love Charlie Day and I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I saw the trailer and it kind of brought me back down to earth a little bit. So I'm going just a really excited rent, you know. Realistically, if I you know wind up finding some time, I might. Go pop it in, but it, like if I don't catch it in theaters, like I'm not—I don't feel like I'll be missing out on anything. So that's kind of why I land in rent. Like I'm gonna try to go to the theaters, but like I'm not like a, I have to see this in theaters. You know, I have to see this as soon as I can. I would love to, but we'll see. So, but yeah, I mean, stacked cast too, and it's one of those like that cast runs yeah. deep. Like every, especially if you're a always sunny fan, like the farther you like, you're like that's a person and that's a person and right. that's a person. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's it for me. Do you have any other
0: thoughts? No, I mean that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Like you said, um, you kind of quelled your expectations
1: a little bit. I'm I'm kind of riding the hype train. We'll we'll see mm-hmm. what happens.
0: We'll see where it lands. Sure. But.
1: Let's move on. I guess let's do the other big release of the week. We'll do Hypnotic. This is coming to theaters again, uh, May 11th. Uh, a detective investigates a mystery involving his missing daughter in a secret government program. Again, that's a pretty minimalistic idea. Of what's going on? But you know what. I think people that have been avoiding stuff for this movie are better off for it. Um, and I think people that don't know anything about this movie going into are probably going to have the best experience here. Ben Affleck, Alex Braga, JD Pardo, uh, Jackie Earl Haley. Um, we love a good, uh, Rorschach coming back. Uh, well, William Pickner, Love seeing him. Yeah. Again, written and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Also screenplay credit for Max Borstein. So, whew, okay. Um, hypnotic is a movie coming out. This week in theaters. What do you think about seeing it, Joe? Uh, are you in theaters, rent, stream, or skip? Uh, sorry, theaters, rent, stream. Word of mouth or skip, Camp?
0: Uh, yeah. I'd have to say for me, I'm st- I'm still a big Rodriguez fan. His his films for me are kind of like kind of ebbs and flows. Some of his projects, but like for the most part, I really I really love the way he directs. Yes. Yeah, so, so for me, um, him him paired with Ben Affleck, it seems like seems like a solid uh, pairing. Um, I'm going to say theaters. Um, Maybe not like so much like opening night, maybe like a matinee. Uh, I think it looks like a really solid kind of like suspense thriller action flick. Uh, we don't see, I don't, we don't really see a lot of these anymore.
1: So yeah. Well, I think the reason why we don't see a lot of these anymore is because they have the potential to get so bad so fast. So I am like a really, I'm, I'm going to land in the same category. I'm going to go rent, but I'm like really curious about this one, but it's a very cautiously optimistic. I'm getting very. I'm getting vibes of um, Transcendence. Um, Transcendence, that movie that came out in 2014. That was like Christopher Nolan's longtime cinematographer, Wally Pfister. Uh, he um, went on and made his directorial debut in a movie starring Johnny Depp called Transcendence. That had a really interesting premise behind it, and then was okay, okay, like at <laughs> best, right? Like uh, I was like, that's fine, and everybody was like, that was terrible. I'm like, it's fine. It's not really like good. There's not like a, t- there's not a ton of reasons for me to say you should watch it, but like, it's fine. I didn't hate watching it. And so like, I just getting big transcendence vibes. Like it feels like, you know, Rodriguez, I really love his filmography. I like when he get. I like when he does the sillier stuff, you know, like, or I guess silly is not the right word, but like, I like when he does the, uh, I guess more grindhouse stuff like, um, from dust till dawn and the mariachi trilogy. Yeah, Um, and and I I love like this huge fan of those, yeah. The Spy Kids movies, you know, like at least in general. Um, But yeah, I think it's the the idea of the uh, like Robert Rodriguez making this ultra serious, really risky movie that is only clocking in in an hour and a half, and I'm like, that feels like too short of a time for this movie to tell a story because you watch the trailer. If you if you watch the trailer for this, there's like a twist that happens halfway through the trailer that like really tells what you what the movie about. So I'm like, if it's only starting halfway through the movie, the trailer, like, what if that twi- What if that explains what's going on halfway through the movie? That's not enough time. It's just not. So now maybe the trailer is just intentionally trying to show us only the first I don't know ten minutes of the movie, whatever. But that would be great. But it just feels like that's a re- that's a dangerously low sh- runtime for a movie that at least in in concept is this um complex and i don't like i'm still really excited for it though you know <laughs> like very cautious though
0: yeah I, th- I think that totally makes sense especially with the runtime like you, right? m- you make a good point there like i said um optimistically i'm hoping like this is like a very small portion of like the film that we're seeing but it- it's like it's hard to say it's hard to say right with trailers these days like um i haven't seen uh quantum realm but like the way that trailer was cut that looked like it was going to be the most amazing movie i would ever seen Mm-hmm. and then i i haven't seen it yet but everyone's like yeah it's it's either okay or you know they've land all over the place with that movie you know? so trailers can be really deceiving so
1: yeah absolutely trailers can be totally deceiving but yeah it's just yeah an hour 32 according to IMVB. man it just like i can't just help but thinking here like can you imagine if it's if inception was an hour and a half nobody would like that movie like that's kind of what i get the vibe like it's gonna be too short because especially like Rodriguez has made really good. I guess, like, I totally skipped over it when I was mentioning other films of his I really enjoyed. But a film we talked about, Alita Battle Angel. Oh yeah, and that, movie, that movie is like two hours and twelve minutes or so, and it feels like uh, it feels longer than that, but like in a good way. But he covers so much ground there. You know, I it just feels like if he could pull it off, it'd be like
0: amazing if he could pull this off.
1: Sure, but it. But if if that's the case, then it's gonna. Uh, I mentioned. In, I think, the Patreon episode for Evil Dead Rise. But I sat down with my friend and he said, how long before we are actually going to get into it, do you think? Like, we were in the trailers. And he said, how long do you think until this movie actually Evil Dead? And I said, 10 minutes tops because we know the setup. We've been here before. I think they're just going to get right into it. Um, and I was wrong. But, um, um, like, if they could manage to pull that off here, you know, like, Inception kind of throws you into the world quickly. But Inception's a really... Long drawn out. It's meant to be a two and a half hour movie at minimum. So like, yeah, yeah. I, I just getting really scared about the runtime. The more I talk about it, but you know. But again, if Robert Rodriguez was pull, was able to pull off as much as he did in a Battle Angel with only two twelve, I think yeah. we might be okay. So um, hopefully anyway.
0: that's getting a sequel. There's some buzzes might
1: be. Yeah. So see. But either way, I like. I really like Robert Rodriguez and Ben Affleck's not a surefire hit, but he's he's good enough. I'll put my money on him. So,
0: yeah, I, I feel like when the when he's into the material, he's really good. I mean, he's I mean, he, he was even good in anything he was in as far as Justice League or PBS is concerned. Like he was always good. So, sure. So
1: and then a movie that I totally forgot about until I was, you know, looking at the show notes and uh, decided to check out. And I was like, why did this make the list? And I know exactly why. It's a new Disney movie starring McKenna Grace. Um, McKenna Grace will do it. Producers of Stranger Things. But anyway, Crater is a Disney Plus film uh, coming on Disney Plus May 12th. After the death of his father, a boy growing up on a lunar mining company takes a trip to explore a legendary crater along with his four best friends prior to being permanently relocated to another planet. As mentioned, McKenna Grace is in this. I don't really know that anybody else you could recognize, um, children or adults. Uh, It is directed by Kyle Patrick Alvarez and written by John Griffin. Crater, what do you think, Joe? Theaters rent, stream, word of mouth or skip?
0: Uh, I mean, for me... I mean, this looks like this could be fun for, you know, I I just don't think I'm the audience for this film. For this film. Um, so for me, I put like streaming or like even possibly skip, like if I have like literally nothing to do. Maybe I'd watch it, but um, but it looks yeah. like it'd be fun and lighthearted. Just like I said, it's not really my cup of tea. It probably skews a little younger um, for me. So
1: I'm just, I'm going and in not interested. And um, it, it's, but it's kind of one of those that I feel the same way. Like this is, this isn't a movie meant for, you know, people our age. This is a movie meant for, Elementary school kids, you know what? So, like, if I was, you know, having my, you know, nieces or nephews over or whatever and needed something to turn on and they saw that on Disney Plus and, like, sure, put out that on and I'd be like, sure. Like, I don't know that I'd, like, look away or actively look away or whatever, but, like, uh, you know, I wouldn't advocate for it. And I'm certainly not going to check it out just on my own. So, but yeah, I think I just saw Disney McKenna Gray. Cool. Um, That's enough for me. So, anyway, ready to move on? Yeah, sounds good. Let's move on and we'll talk about some films uh, that we did watch that we will give some thoughts on. But first, a chance to promote your stuff. You guys have gotten to hear from Joe a little bit uh, before. So if you're interested in hearing more from Joe, what do you want to send people to, Joe?
0: Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram or um, message me on Instagram at the Star Spangled Avenger um, with the underscore under each one of those uh, words. Um, yeah, just talk about a number of things and have a number of posts on there. But cosplay, uh, video games, comic books, you know, whatnot, action figures.
1: Sure. Uh, and as a quick reminder, WR in case you're interested in supporting the show and um, uh, getting access to some bonus content such as exclusive reviews. Uh, they typically run about 10 minutes for any film that I see that is a new release in 2023, as well as um, another perk where for a higher perk, I'll do some more reviews for you uh specifically but you know hopefully i haven't been the i don't have the best track record of that but uh i am i am working on it so let's let's get into the SIF topic we're doing uh, batman gotham knight in year one i'm curious which one you want to start with joe because my first inclination is gotham knight because that came out first but because of the nature of the film i feel like year one is probably the better
0: so you want me to determine which one we should go with first yeah uh, let's go up with Gotham Night. Let's just go with the uh, okay. Let's go with came out first.
1: Okay, yeah. I was just like because this is kind of an anthology, like it feels weird, you know, because Year One is one story and Gotham Night is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it just felt odd. Let's get into it real, real quick first. I wanted to know what uh, you know. We 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 just decided to pick this one, I think, because it was on a list and because I had I had definitely never seen it, and I had seen Year One, and I think we just decided to pick these two i don't know if there's any particular reason we we're just like sure here are two batman animated films so i think Gotham Blu- i think the blu-rays are actually
0: paired together i actually saw something where the like you know they get the two-pack uh yeah the two-pack is these two movies so i saw that today and it was really funny that's awesome so, yeah well i have S- sorry, i used
1: Nero. to have a blu-ray copy of year one and i never and then i never had a copy of this one but for prime day last like september or whatever I picked up the like 18 film Batman Blu-ray collection that has essentially all the animated ones from Gotham night up until the most recent at that point, which was, I couldn't tell you, but, um, anyway, had, had a a good chunk of the Batman standalone, um, ones from, from, it was an 80th anniversary of Batman collection. So I think it ran up to 2012 or so anyway, that's fantastic. So it didn't quite get to, like, Batman Hush, I don't think. Anyway, so I bought it for, like, 40 bucks. It was a steal. Probably so, better. Yeah, so because year one is in it, I, uh, um, I got rid of my standalone. So I couldn't tell you. I couldn't look up the Blu-ray and see. So anyway, Gotham Knight. Not to be confused with the recent video game Gotham Knights, which is kind of bad. Um, but Gotham Knight, a collection of key events mark Bruce Wayne's life as he journeys from beginner to dark knight. Plenty of different directors on this, which kind of makes sense knowing okay. it's anthology i i just saw that i was like oh cool and especially because re- i'm not look i'm not going to try to pronounce them they're very clearly japanese names <laughs> and i don't want to butcher them so uh there's that kevin Conroy voicing uh the batman which great um i it, it just brought such a warm comfort hearing him again yeah and then i don't know that there's necessarily anybody else like super scott melville uh scott menville and Georgia Newborn and the aforementioned alana Ubach, but um uh, you know there's nobody necessarily like that you would remember you know there's there's no no big thing here just kevin conroy's batman so uh gotham knight first before we get into it i want to know do you have any history with this movie like or was this the first time you watched it oh no like
0: i actually have the dvd for this um i picked it up like I think I picked it up like immediately because um, I was a huge fan of the animatrix and this is very in that same type of vein. I think there's mm. even people who call it like the the animatrix or like something like that along those lines. But like um, it's comparable. There, there's some, some people that actually crossed over that worked on the um, animatrix to actually work on this, like uh, Yoshiki Kawajiri. Cool. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I really love it. I'm a huge fan of anime if you know me. So uh, yeah, so- like I, said, I love this.
1: Very nice. So on the like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. You're full on loved it. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like
0: I'd say I'm always like teetering on this, but I'd say I really like it. Because there are some, we'll, we'll get into it. I'll say I really like sure. it. I'll quote, I'll quote, you know, tame it down.
1: On, um, this is my first watch. I've never seen this before. So uh, I was excited to see it because, because also like, correct me if I'm wrong, but this really feels like the first film that like really launched DC animation where it went you know throughout the whole like flashpoint and future run um, but it, like really feels like this is the first time like dc animation decided we're gonna do this we're gonna do this well and we're gonna start you know, giving money and real voice actors you know like without God, without this we don't get you know under the red hood and flashpoint paradox and hush and you know all the new dark knight returns right like like is that is that fair to say yeah
0: i'd say because it, it was pretty high profile i think the thing that really boosted it um and actually probably they price sold a lot of copies that this is this is a coinciding release with uh, the dark Knight, So uh, this came, that came out in 2008 prior to the film and it has like loose ties also to, um, to some stories like that happened prior to uh, like scenes in the film.
1: Sure. Yeah. So on the like it, love it, dislike it, think it's just okay scale. um, Like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay scale. uh, I'm just going to go. Didn't like it. Uh, I didn't have a good experience with this movie and Look, as much as I love the idea for anthology, I don't know that any anthology is going to get me higher than like a very unenthusiastic like it. Because in order for an anthology to work, like I could love one of the segments and then like think everything else is mid and like you just go, it's fine. It's okay. I liked it. Like, cause, and there's some of these that I really didn't like. And there's some of these that I really did like. And there's some of these that I'm like, it's fine. So ultimately, though, I found more more things to not like about it than i did to like about it you also know joe that i'm not a very big anime person so like that also plays into here but i i think it is fair to say that while this does has have some similar like patterns you can tell you can say this really isn't like a full-on anime and I, i just i just more so meaning like if somebody's listening like don't expect like dragon ball you know like is more so what i'm trying to say like there's Certainly, some things that make it a little bit more skewed anime than just your standard typical animation, depending on the scene. But yeah, I think um, I I don't I just didn't connect with any of the stories, and I didn't particularly like any of them. And also, I didn't know it was an anthology going in. So we get to that first thing, and I'm like, oh, is that just like essentially when Pixar throws a Pixar short in front of the? All right, cool. Let's get in the movie. And then I'm like, oh no! By the time we get to the third one, I'm like, oh now, okay, this is an anthology. Great, good because. I don't remember anything from the first two. So, because I was so tied up on trying to figure out that it, if it was a Pixar short or not. So, but yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't like it. I'm sorry. I think there's a lot to admire though. And maybe let's start off on positive terms. Like, I think, I think there's a couple of these animations that look really great. I love the Scarecrow one. The people I was watching it with hated the Scarecrow. I loved that art style.
0: Yeah, that, that's like one of my top ones. Um, yeah, and darkness dwells is probably, and that's also my favorite anime studio. That's like Madhouse is like they're well documented for doing like really dark and like edgy type of stuff, and uh, I think they really knock it out, out of the park, especially with that one.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's really the like one that I noticed I really liked. I I really didn't like the Deadshot one.
0: Oh, I love that one.
1: Oh, I didn't at all the the animation style specifically. I I didn't like the the the, the Bruce Wayne centric one. I didn't like the uh, I didn't like the intro one. I thought the second one was fine, but it was just kind of your standard Batman one. That was the one where he was like wounded. Uh no, that was the he gets wounded. Anyway. And I I like everything except for the animation style on the very first one. Uh, the one about the like kids being like, I found you know, here's my story of Batman and
0: Oh, have I got a story for you? Yeah. That I mean that's that's what the that's what it's how, That that one's done by Studio Four C. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, there will well doc- There will document doing like kind of like otter like uh, kind of animation styles. Like they're really experimenting. I,
1: like I, I was like, I appreciate the leap, but it just pulls me out of reality. But like, this is kids telling stories that are obviously exaggerated by kids. Like you know, or at least like they see things. They're telling things the way that they see them, which isn't necessarily so. Like I kind of like it, but I'm just like, it just, it just didn't feel like Gotham. It didn't feel like Batman. You know.
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely a little different It's like, I th- that's one of the things I put down as a positive for this. Like there's many, there's different interpretations of like characters. Like I feel like there's always connected tissue to the actual like Gotham and to Batman, but there's also like their interpretation of like what that is. And I enjoyed sure. that. I was like, yeah. Um, if you don't dwell too hard into like the specifics of like how things look. And I agree. It doesn't really look like Gotham. It looks a little too um kind of bright and colorful.
1: Yeah. But I kind I kind of like, I kind of like the fact that it looks like that it kind of, yeah, it looks... Well, and again, it's from kids' eyes, right? So, and I think here's what I came more so with, is that I, I, I think I like the animation style in general. I didn't think it particularly fit in this one, but I really didn't like the character models. Like, I thought that, like, they were blocky and not defined, and it works when the kids are telling the story of what they saw, but then when it jumps to, like, the present, the present time in their timeline, it just... It would have felt odd for him to switch, but it it just felt odd in general. So, I don't know. Um it just didn't vibe with me. I I was like I like it but not for this property, not for this story. I think like there was one or two things that I really liked about every single one, but like that was one or two things that were typically a couple minutes in uh or a couple seconds in a 10 or 15 minutes skit, you know. So, Um, For that one, I really like the perspective. I really like the, here are a bunch of little kids recalling their encounter with, you know, Batman and a villain. And of course it's exaggerated and that's great. You know, he's more of like a a ghost or a phantom or anything like that. But um, there's a, yeah, there's. It has roots in the comic
0: books too. Like there's an actual like comic, like this is based off of a comic book. Like the actual like thematically and how the setup is like kids telling the story. Like they're all kind of exaggerated. Um, And then they also did an homage to that. It's a copy of a copy. They did um, on the new animated series for Batman. They also did an episode that was very similar to this, like structure wise. I was like, I feel
1: like I've seen an animated series episode similar. Exactly. Yeah, there is one like that. And it's, it's like I really like that concept, you know. And and almost that's also why, like, oh man, look, the more episodes I've seen, like the more the harder it is to pick a particular favorite Batman the animated series episode. Like it, it just might be almost got him. It just might be. Oh, because for
0: for sure. It's like,
1: yeah, it's, it's easily top five, but like, that might be the one because I just love, like, it's the villains recounting their stories of their fight with Batman. Like I hit him with a rock. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then of course there's that great reveal at the end, but yeah, the, like it's, it's them telling their encounters with Batman from their perspective and so of course you know some things are going to be exaggerated but but they also still like admit that they lose like all the every time you know or so i think there was there was also a similar episode where it was like you would see things entirely from like bullock's perspective but then you would go back and like batman would fill in the gaps and explain the context why anyway the point is like i really like that narrative and i think it works really well in the batman universe you know like i think um i think it's I don't have we seen a moment like like even a moment like that in the live action ones. Like, I, I know we've got some th- like we've seen some things in um in like the Spider-Man movies or the Marvel movies, because I'm pretty sure isn't there a uh, doesn't like Flash, like talk about Spider-Man saving them in Washington or whatever in the first homecoming, like in its way exaggerated. I don't remember specifically. Anyway, the like we've seen Marvel do this kind of thing. Um uh, yeah. But like, have we really have we seen it from a live action Batman movie yet? Of somebody else explaining what they saw. So I'm explaining what they saw. Like, there's nothing like that in the Dark Knight trilogy, right? Well, Not even like. A, well,
0: well, in the in, in the 89, uh, 89 Batman, they talk about him being like huge in stature and like a monster. I guess that's and, true. You know what well, I mean,
1: they, I guess that's true because that's how the movie opens up, right? Like, but like, yeah, yeah, that's that's true.
0: He's he's so. always kind of described as like this this ethereal thing or like this like almost uh, elemental
1: type of thing. Right.
0: Cause yeah. that's, cause that's the whole, that's the whole thing. That's all pageantry to scare people. You know what I mean? Well,
1: and that was our intro to the 89 Batman. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and I feel like that whole like concept that I'm talking about really sets the energy for the beginning of the Batman. But, uh, yeah. but ultimately like, yeah, I, like I just, I would, I, I love this narrative of, of storytelling. I think it's a really effective use. And I think, it makes perfect sense to have it in a batman in a batman movie or animated film or whatever i think it, i love the concept for that one i really like the art style i thought it clashed i didn't really like it all that much and i thought the character models were really not great and that was it it's, oh no the scarecrow one is my favorite i was, was going to say it might be my favorite
0: yeah what watching it watching it today um if you would ask me like when i first saw it i would have said i like dead shot the best just cuz i'm such a fan of kawajiri's work and i like that art style a lot um but um yeah, when I revisited today I was like, nah, Darkness Dwells is like kind of the total package. Like visually it looks stunning. It's animated well. Um when they when they need to have the kind of like invest like more frames of animation, they do it in the you know, in the spots where where it's valued. And it just overall, I just like the overall story. It just was super interesting. And it felt it felt fell more in line with like more of the Nolan stuff than anything else did. Like you, you sure. can kind of see it kind of connecting a little bit. Some of the killer even the killer crocs that like Killer Croc like, to kind of explain the disease, and like he's not really like a he. He looks more uh, humanoid than he usually does, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that one works for me the best. I I didn't really. I think the one I didn't like the most. I don't. What,
1: I don't have anything nice to say about the second or third skit, the Gordon focused one and the Bruce Wayne focused one.
0: Uh, I I did not like Crossfire at all. That's like my least favorite one, which is funny. I like production IG and I like their work. But is that
1: the I, that that's the one that follows like the two cops, right?
0: Yeah, I d- I think it's this. You you're with them so long, and their voice acting is like to me is not the strongest. It's kind of like especially if you if you watch like the the English dub, like it, it just doesn't come off natural, and it just seems the dialogue sure. is really stilted. And it's I don't know. And the animation seems really limited for some reason. Like it, it feels really clunky.
1: I found myself like just again, we were trying to piece together me and the people I was watching this with. What exactly is this? You know, when are we going to see Batman again? You know because this is a Batman thing. And now we we've already gotten through the 10 minute short at the beginning. So let's, you know, Yeah. anyway, so like, but then it gets to the scene where like their car is in the middle of the crossfire of the two gangs. And like, that's a really tense like thing. And then there's a trillion bullets that pass through the car. Like, but don't worry, bullets can't penetrate doors. So they're okay. And it's just like, that's, Oh boy. Like that was the logic in me was just like, you know, this is ridiculous. And the, and the movie lover me was like, hey, suspend your logic, you know? So like, I thought it made a really tense scene. And then the, the like guy pulls out a rocket launcher. I'm like, guys, it's already survived a trillion bullets. It could survive a rocket launcher too. You know, like it's, I, I thought that particular scene, that particular moment of tension worked really well, but I don't know, that's that's about it. it, I, it,
0: it everything just seemed really coincidental in it too. You know? It just, everything sure. about the writing just seemed very like, I don't know. I yep. think it was, the, it was probably the most underwritten one out of all of them, in my opinion.
1: That's probably, yeah, that's probably a fair point. Yeah. But I also do wonder, you know, studio is saying, we're going to give you a 10-minute time slot in an anthology of Batman's movie. Like, you got to tell your story, so you kind of have to write it into the you know? So, I want to mention why I specifically do not, I do not have a single nice thing to say about the third one, uh, which is, like, the Bruce Wayne-focused one. And, like, the big reason why I have not a nice thing to say about it is, I hate the design of like the care of the character models, and I think especially like I, I popped this. On, I watched this on HBO Max. I didn't even know that there was like you know an English dub and a Japanese dub or whatever. But like it's Kevin Conroy doing the voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne in all of these, and the character model looks like he belongs in BTS. Like, and Kevin Conroy does not look like he belongs in BTS. So it was just so jarring to me and it did not feel like bruce wayne like it didn't even feel like if you wanted to do like a cyberpunk bruce wayne like it felt like k-pop star it felt like the voice was so not connecting and even the attitude, like the attitude was not really connecting very well especially because like we didn't like it wasn't like like i love playboy billionaire Bruce Wayne, like in, uh, in Batman begins where he buys the hotel or maybe that was the dark Knight or whatever, you know, where the people are swimming yeah. in the pool and they're like, yeah, you have to, you have to leave. He's like, I just bought the hotel. you know. So like, I love like that kind of playful, but that's also like a pretty unestablished Bruce Wayne. Like we're supposed to believe this one is pretty established and like, anyway. I, I really hated the character model for Bruce. It drove me nuts the whole time. I was like, it just, it doesn't sound anything like him. It doesn't feel like anything like Bruce Wayne. It's, I hate it. And, and I didn't like the, I thought Batman's costume looked more like a, a costume for Penguin than it did for, for Batman. So I didn't like it at all.
0: Yeah, I agree. He does like, he does like skew like a lot younger, the way he looks and, and whatnot. I think the suit is interesting, but yeah, it's, it's not my favorite look for Batman. But I kind of, I kind of like how they kind of took the shot though, but, yeah, it, that one's, like, not
1: skewing at my top of,
0: like, my favorites either.
1: The working through the pain one, I I really liked the moment where Batman finds the gun in the sewer grate. And then he looks and he just finds a ton of different guns. And you can just, like, piece together the, you know, the pain that he's feeling. But But, like, not only the pain that he's feeling from, like, his parents' murder, but also, like, the fact that he's, like, I am an established protector of this world. And I just found 30 guns in the sewer and you know that each one of these guns had to be used in the crime in order to be found in the sewer. Like, it's, it's kind of like, it's a moment of like seven or eight different mixed emotions. And I really love that moment. I just wish I liked the rest of it leading up to it. (laughs) And, And then also the fact that it ends on that note, it feels like, no, this is the start to something so good. I would watch a whole movie where that is the setup, and um, yeah, but,
0: it, but doesn't that doesn't that tell you that's a good short though that, that makes you want to? It s- does. Spin, it you know does. what I mean? Like, yeah, it does. It it doesn't feel like a complete story. It feels like like you said the beginning or the start of something. You know what I mean? That's like, fair. Can you imagine a whole film like that? Whole animated uh, feature going along that chain? Like, I could. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see it'd who they would great. choose as a villain and like. So I think that one's but, highly successful for what. For what they shoot for. Because I think it's what their intention was.
1: Sure. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. The Deadshot one's fine. I just don't. Like it's good. I just don't like the animation. It's just personal taste. Uh, And I really like the Scarecrow one. Really the animation stood out to me. I I don't know that I have anything else to say. Like again. They were were either hit or miss. But I found so much more to dislike than I did to like. I don't. I'll probably check it out again. Like because I own it. Like Mm -hmm. I. Like it's part of a pack. If it was like a a standalone Blu-ray that I owned. I would probably throw at my cell pile but like it's fine like some some most of them are fine some of them are really good some of them are really bad but like anthologies in general like i love the idea of anthologies but even like that coen brothers ballad of Buster Scruggs that netflix anthology they did i really liked about two of the anthologies i would even say loved two of them and then the other ones i was like i hate this so i wound up being like a two stars on it you know but it's like but i loved two of them it's just anthologies I want to work so badly. I just don't, I don't think film is the method for them. I think TV series is the method for them. And unless you're going to find a way to connect them at the end, then that makes sense to do the anthologies. But uh, like, I think um, like a lot of those like intersecting character stories ones work really well.
0: What what do you think in your opinion, what do you think the best anthology series is?
1: I have mine mine locked in like, no,
0: not a series. We'll say movie. It's, It's a, it's gotta be a film.
1: Anthology film. Yeah. Look this is I haven't seen after hours yet. I feel like that would probably be the one. Like once I do get around to seeing that one. <sighs> I'd have to think about that. Um because like I don't really know like any movie that I could think of that I particularly love that's an anthology series off the top. Sin City maybe? Uh I would
0: I would say that counts.
1: Yeah, I mean like I'm off the top of my head Sin City I I'm I'm sure if you gave me some more time to think about it I'd come up with seven or eight more that I liked above Sin City. Yeah. I'd
0: have to say for me it had to be like completely locked down for the, uh, the initial creep show. Like the first creep show is I haven't seen super it. solid. And like, it's like peak Romero and Stephen King, like working together. It's just really like awesome art wise too like, just like art direction wise. is really cool. But yeah. That's how I suggest it.
1: But. Yeah. Sin City. I really, yeah, that one's there. looks like trick or treat, which I haven't seen yet, but I know that one has a big following. It's really good too. Um, French dispatch was fine. Again, I liked, I liked, I really liked one of the, one of the three, yeah,
0: one of the three stories.
1: Yeah. Uh, movie 43 is a giant piece of crap.
0: Mm-hmm. Pretty bad.
1: Let's see. It says planet terror is listed here, but I don't really count that. Like, I don't think that's, that's an a, anthology. Yeah, that's a double feature, right? It's a double feature, not an anthology. Yeah, uh, VHS is a fine little B movie. It's nothing great. Nothing bad.
0: No, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I think the first one's probably
1: the best. This has a rogue one listed there. Nope. It's not an anthology. Monty Python, Meaning of Life. That one's listed there. That's yeah, that counts. That's it. I I don't have an opinion on that movie because it's been a while since I've talked about it or since I've seen it, but I will see it again here soon. It looks like Green Lantern, Emerald Knights is one. So we'll talk about that as well soon. I didn't know that. I haven't seen Animatrix and that lost to Akira in our in our poll. So, yeah, I mean, I would say I, I'm still probably leaning Sin City. I'd say
0: Animatrix is pretty high up there for me.
1: Yeah, if I'd seen it again, maybe you know, um, Fantasia would count, but Fant- I don't like Fantasia. Yeah, it's fine. Twilight Zone movie.
0: No, that that, that is a that's a good film too, especially initial one.
1: Yeah, I'll stick with Sin City. Maybe maybe Meaning of Life can upend it here soon. History of the World Part One. Did I haven't to, seen, but I wanna see. It you mean
0: to derail the conversation?
1: Oh, that's okay, because I think this <laughs> is a good question to be like, because because I'm saying like anthologies just don't really work. So you're telling me give me a good example, and I'm even saying like. We talked about the Sin City films, didn't we? Uh not yet. Okay, we've kind of went around to them because <laughs> I'm like, I feel like it's been a long time since I've them, but like they're not perfect, especially that second one. But like, I really enjoy them for what they are. So yeah. Okay, I'm I'm out of I'm out of thoughts for Gotham Night, um, but I'm welcome to listen to anything else that you have to say.
0: that well, seems pretty straightforward. You're not you're not a fan of anime, probably probably skewed a little bit. For you and then um you know i am an anime fan so I'd probably skewed a little higher but like that that it, it is what it is you know it's whatever
1: sure well let's move on to batman year one i have seen this one before i saw it a couple of years ago and uh, i remember being pretty unimpressed with it but wanting to give it another shot because i think it was the first one of these that i saw i think after under the red hood and under the red hood is still my favorite so like I think my expectations were just oh this is how all of them are and like they're all a lot of them are good right but to to my, to in my opinion none of them are as good as Under the Red Hood is yet so the Batman year 1 well yeah it was one of them that I watched and I'm like okay it's fine and nothing nothing really special here and I think I wound up like only like streaming it somewhere Netflix or HBO or whatever and then I eventually found a used Blu-ray copy of it for like 3 bucks And I was like, I need to give this another shot because I love the dark Knight returns. And that's a Frank Miller Batman comic book that was adapted. So, you know, let's do, let's check out the, um, the other Frank Miller one, Batman year one. So here we go. Uh, Batman year one, 2011, based off of the Frank Miller graphic novel. Joe, do you like it? Love? it, hate it. Dislike it. Or think it's just okay.
0: Yeah. I I really love like the source material. I love the comic book. Um, it's, it's, I feel like it's almost cliche at this point to say it's like one of the, one of the best like Batman stories because to me it is. Uh, I think it helps like bolster up a lot of stuff too, especially like Christopher Nolan who uh, who admitted he drew a lot of influence for, for from it for Batman Begins, and you can kind of feel it throughout the Nolan trilogy. It's a little more kind of uh, kind of stemmed in reality, whereas kinda, this kind of this kind of is as well. I I love the fact that it co- like it has parallel stories between um, between Bruce and uh, Commissioner Gordon. Well, not. Sue to be Commissioner Gordon, you kind of get to see his kind of like both their kind of ascension into their roles, uh, future roles. So, yeah, I I really like this story. Um, And for me, I really love it. Um, It's in heavy rotation for me. I don't think it's as good as Under the Red Hood or The Dark Knight Returns by any means. But like, I still really enjoy it. And if I'm going to watch a bunch of Batman films, like I'll throw it in there, too.
1: Sure. I respect that, but I think it's just okay. Yeah, that's fine. I am. So conflicted on this one because there's there's some things I really like about this one and there's some things that I it, but most of the movie just winds up being kind of safe and eh and I don't particularly care about anything having to do with Selena in this movie. Um, I think you can completely write, write that character out in the movie's better, um, the story's better. Um, so yeah, the thing that I really love and I'm 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 not even mad that like the movie leans this way. I really love Jim Gordon in this movie in this story and i love like him i love his wrestle with like he seems to be lamenting that his wife is pregnant because he sees all the evil in the world and he's like having internal monologues about like how can i bring a child into this world that is so terrible you know and it's like Mm -hmm. i think a really interesting question that i think a lot of us have thought about before some more than others and it's just like i love conversations like that i love dialogue like that i love characters being you know completely disheveled by things that are considered so normal in society or whatever you know i think like just because that's how like that's that's what everybody you know thinks when you when you're growing up right like you go to school you go to college you get married you have some kids house white pick white picket fence right all those things and it's like if you don't want any of those, you don't need any of those. Like, and so like, I love seeing people wrestling with those. And But then again, even from the perspective, again, I think it is pretty timely uh, here with, uh, I think lots of conversation has been going on about, you know, just children's safety like that. So just to even um, like to see this in a completely not the same context, con- well, I guess kind of, kind of the same context thing unintentionally. This is uh it's really well done. Uh, for from Gordon's perspective. Um, also, I think Brian Cran- Cranston is a great voice cast for for Jim Gordon. I think he works really well. Yeah, I like one hundred percent agree.
0: Um, I totally forgot it was him, and, and I have just recently looked up and like uh, looked him up. I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, he, he actually was like really great, and I I almost say he stole the show. I mean, it's kind of like yeah, that like, comic book too. Like to me, it's always been more of a Jim Gordon story more than it has been a Batman story. Like Batman's in there, but he's definitely like um, secondary to to Gordon in my opinion. I've always felt that way when I've read it. So, I I, and you know what, for for what it's worth, um, if you want like something that's kind of one to one, like if you're really like about having the details like stay the same as as far as being true to the source material, like this is about as close as it gets. It's it's really accurate. The art style is even almost dead on. They try to replicate as best they can, and it looks really good. So yeah, like high merits for that for them putting in the work for that.
1: Yeah. And that was one of the things that I like I noticed. I don't I don't own a copy of year one, but like I could just tell because I owed a copy of the Dark Knight Returns and I've seen that like I could just tell, oh, yeah, this is this is based off the comic. This is like I, I know this is accurate. And I remember kind of on a similar line to when what I said about Gotham Knight, like year one feels like kind of the true beginning to when like DC was putting in the effort into production, but it like started to pay off. Like I think. I think Gotham Knight was the first time that that Warner Brothers decided to care about DC animated productions, but Year One was the first time that the audience cared. I mean, this was a huge hit when it came out, and I don't think there was many before this that were like popular, widely popular. So, like the influence this has as a comic book film and as a, um, oh, I guess Under the Red Hood came out one year before this. Um, maybe that one's either way. Year One's a little bit more accessible than that one, but. <laughs> yeah uh i remember this being a big deal um when this came out and um maybe it's the frank miller connection yeah i, I think
0: it definitely had upward momentum and i think it definitely helped get uh, the dark knight returns screenlit. so the, i mean there is that like i definitely think it helped with that and like extended their budget like ba- sure. and essentially gave them a two-parter which uh, i think you know it deserved the story did so sure
1: uh... All right, so kind of based off of that like it's it's based off of a work. I have I've here here written in my notes. It's not great, but it does do the job. Like I put I realized it's based of a based on the comic, but I wish that there would have been a couple of changes. Like one of the things that I've grown to appreciate about the Matt Reeves Batman film is that Batman makes mistakes. It's very it's a year 2 Batman in Reeves's. And so he's still making mistakes. And every Batman has made mistakes, you know, but like more than I think any of the other ones, Robert Pattinson has made mistakes in in big philosophical ones and as well as in small little ones that wind up getting him or other people hurt. So, yeah, I really appreciate how he feels like a Batman that's just getting off the ground. But as we just alluded to for the for like the 89, the Keaton one like a Batman that is just getting off the ground. He's flawless in that move other than, you know, the death of the Joker, but like that's Joker killing himself. That's not a, that's not on him. Um, so, but, but yeah, even like Batman begins, like he's, he's not perfect, but he's, especially when he becomes Batman, he's great. Like it's really the, the part where he's imperfect is when he comes back as Bruce Wayne and he wants to go kill Joe chill with the pistol in front of the courthouse, you know? Um, but like he, when he but he finally becomes Batman. He's, like perfect immediately he's really only imperfect in the uh dark knight rises but i did i love how this or I, I love how reeves is really shows that he's he's learning right and so i would have loved if this is year one batman i would have really loved more like showing his mistakes and then showing how he's learning from his mistakes you know so like it's one of the things i even like and it's even batman the animated series is an established batman but you see anytime he makes a mistake he's made you know this this happened he's he goes and makes a modification to the bat suit in the bat computer you know or like or like even the 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 intro to dark knight right like i need you to make this dog proof you know because we didn't think about defending from attack dogs you know so i guess i just wish batman would have felt a little less polished in this in this material in this story
0: i think he's pretty unpolished in this he makes a lot of mistakes he makes I... like, he makes a huge mistake initially by he thinks by slightly changing his appearance and going out and like upfront fighting crime that that's going to solve anything, and then it almost gets him killed. And then he has his—he has like this is like one of my favorite scenes or like panels in any like Batman comic book. He's like pondering whether or not he even deserves to live. Like, do I even deserve yeah. to live? Because like my only reason to live is to to avenge my my parents. Like, what else is there? Like and then the bat crashes through the through the glass and then that's the epiphany right there and that's when he rings the bell like he makes the biggest mistake of his life and it ends up becoming like something that topples down into like you know him becoming you know the Batman that's him for like the rest of his life so I mean I think I think it's pretty he makes some he, he makes some notable mistakes he almost kills a criminal <laughs> once like almost drops him like there there's a couple of times where it's like he's there's there's a reason why Nolan kind of chose this as kind of like a um, like a, a stuff like a kicking off point I think.
1: Maybe, I don't maybe I just didn't notice it as much, even though like, that or maybe I was just like overlooking it because I like wanted something a little bit more blatant and Miller's a little bit more nuanced of a writer. So like, that could just be on me.
0: Yeah, I think it's more psychological stuff than it is like, you're talking about like making upgrades in your suit and like learning like in that way, right? As a tactician and like,
1: I'm I'm talking about like seeing tangible, I mean, sure, tactician, yeah, would be like, I I think a really easy, easy, tangible thing to see. Right. For audiences. Yeah. Yeah. But when it's those bigger philosophical things, that's, that's where things become a little bit more like need to be carried out over a long period of time. So M- 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 yeah, I mean, to do
0: that too. Like that's, that's like his chick, you know what I mean? Like super heavy, almost heavy handed. Like he kind of teeters that line and Sometimes it is heavy handed. You know what I mean? So sure.
1: my other big gripe is the, um, it's quick and I kind of like that, but I also just wish that this would have been longer especially because like they make sure to point out dates like this covers an entire year and it, it just freezes by and it's like,
0: it flies by it. It'll
1: show, it'll show you like a month later. And it's like that scene could have picked up the next day. How has a month of time passed? Like it just feels, it feels like the timeline is, is stretched for the purpose of wanting to cover a whole year's arc of Jim, you know, with a, pregnant wife and then even the uh, you know Bar- and then Barbara's born and Jim you know goes off the deep end on those criminals and then uh you know and then like Barbara's you know a, a year old now at the end I guess or whatever not quite a year you know Bruce is a little bit more established slightly but at least Batman is a known entity so like I, th- I get what they wanted to cover over a year but it just it just felt like oh they just wanted it to be a year and if you're gonna do a year that's fine but like it just felt like i would have just liked it to be a little bit longer and again if i believe it's a pretty faithful i'm saying i believe when you say it's a pretty faithful i'm so i i'm more willing to fault the comic book with that than i am the the adaptation um i just feel like yeah, I would have liked a little bit longer. I I don't I don't necessarily want the three hour animated Batman Year One. You know, like the, <laughs> the three like the three hour Matt Reeves one because I think that movie is way too long. But like, f- t- find the middle ground. Let's see what what's the average between the two hour fifteen and and three hours. The average would be something like I mean, right about right about two hours, <laughs> Two right hours, and two seven hours. minutes. So. Yeah, I feel like yeah.
0: a little bit over two hours. You're you're, easy. In, you're you're in a good good spot. Yeah, but um. yeah, easy. But these features are usually given, you know, given an accent out of time, you
1: know. And again, given that this was like relatively starting, like I think now DC, Warner Brothers wouldn't hesitate doing, you know, because now they're doing these part ones and part twos a bunch, you know, like with the long Halloween and Dark Knight Returns and um, some other stories. Or even like if you want to go like Death of Superman then Reign of the Superman, like like those are very like connected and tied. And whatnot. Like, you know, I think modern WB would be A-OK to, to do a bigger one. But yeah, when they started out, they were kind of like 60 minutes. So... I just i don't know if that's faulting the comic or the or the or the the film i feel like it's the comic just yeah
0: it it depends on how you feel like if if you wanted a straightforward adaptation like they give you that if you're if you're not satisfied with that and you wanted kind of the story to be expanded and given more time to breathe like you said it does breeze by and that's that could either be a good thing or it could be a critique you know what i mean depending on like where your perspective is and like you said yeah. for you you're like i could have used a little bit more meat you know what i mean i like what they were doing but like you know, what I mean, I'm still like not satiated. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's not enough there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally get it.
1: My only other last note is, I love the ending of this movie, I, especially, especially like the epi- like the epilogue, the resolution, right? The the you know the the baby falls to the bridge, and then you know everything after that. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I think it plays really well, A- and I think it perfectly sets up the relationship between Gordon and Batman for the rest of their careers together. Just that perfect like. You know, I don't see so well without my glasses on. And it's like right. Gordon can Gordon could probably figure it out if we wanted to. I think he probably could piece together even without like squinting or, or anything. But like he's choosing to just play the the I believe in what you're doing enough. And if I know, then that's not information I can I can keep to myself. So I don't have my glasses. Go. Like <laughs> um go I'll take the heat like it I think it really sets up their relationship perfectly to continue for it and and also like in that particular moment now Bruce has somebody he can trust inside of the apartment so um I think it works really well from both ends
0: yeah I think that's what really makes the story really effective is I think it really it does a really great job of like building building that overall bond with those two characters and like you get to see them kind of draw closer to one another and like and get closer to like um I don't know the same circles of people you know what I mean <laughs> sure yeah things fall into place so it's cool
1: do you have anything else Tad?
0: no i I just i think it's a really faithful adaptation that's why i enjoy it um yeah if you're looking if you're looking for more yeah it's it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna give you that it's you know it it gives you it is kind of is what it is it's the source material that's what it is and um yeah i mean that's, that's why i really enjoy it but
1: yeah sure we'll move on to the b plot I thought since we're talking about Gotham city a little bit, uh, we have not talked about fi- our favorite fictional cities yet. So um, I initially worded this top five fictional cities and also, and I said, what are some cities from movies and TV that you would love to spend some time in? But then as I clarified to Joe, like obviously I don't think you'd want to spend time in Gotham, which I'm with how much crime happens yeah. there. But like, I think Gotham deserves to be on a top five list of fictional cities for movies and TV. So um, let's just talk about like and and also like c- fictional cities is pretty limiting. So let's talk about fictional regions, you know, place fictional places we see in. Uh, and, and I wouldn't say like B- Blade Runner Los Angeles counts. You know, I wouldn't say that that's because that's Los Angeles. You know, thirty years in the future or whatever. Um, so yeah, makes sense. I would say completely fictional places that you. I'm just even going to change this a little bit differently that you love, um, whether it's for visual aesthetic or for creative element or whatever, fictional places in, um, uh, in movies or TV that you love for one reason or another. I have uh, five listed. So uh, I tried to think of these in terms of, I would like to visit them, but really I think only like one of, one or two of them actually qualify for that at this point. maybe three of them. but but I'm just trying to think along those along, like I was initially trying to think along that line, but I just think, yeah, one of these is, is a is a place that I really love. Um, and I think it's a great location for a city, but it's not necessarily somebody I want, somewhere I want to visit. So let's start with that. My first pick is gonna be the planet of Crate from Star Wars, the Last Jedi. I don't want to visit it because it's a pretty blank planet with caves and crystal creatures. But I think it's an aesthetically gorgeous, like perfect place for the final showdown of that movie to happen with the uh, the just open landscapes, the caves for the rebels to hold up into and the and the red surface under the sand. Um, I just think it's it's visually so creative and great. And I, I just I loved it. So I love the island of Crate or the planet of Crate. What do you have, one one for you, Joe?
0: Yeah, I guess for me, I'll start off with the one, like, this is the place I'd actually like, want to, like, stay and visit, um, even though it's a little bit war-ridden, um, and there's like, crazy magic that goes on, but um, Kingsbury, from um, Hell's Moving Castle, it's like the capital of their uh, their country, um, it's just really whimsical, there's really like, ornate structures, um, it's very steampunk-inspired, and there's just like, magic, it's just, it's very vibrant and colorful, I just think it's super interesting and like, cozy, and it's like, very like, uh, like, Germanic-looking. Uh, like a very German centric town. which was really cool. Yeah. That's oh, one of mine.
1: Um, I tried to think of all these, I'll, I'll specify this b- before my next pick. Um, but like, I tried to specify this as like, not necessarily even like, here, all right. I don't have anywhere from Lord of the Rings in my pick. And I know a lot of you are immediate, like your first thought was the Shire or something like that. But like, I wanted to pick places because of the place, not because of the thing that happened there, which might kind of sound counterintuitive from what I just said about crate. But like, I just, I really love the, like the, the aesthetics of that plant. I think it works really well. All that. So like, so I I don't have anywhere from Lord of the Rings. I I think Helm's deep is my maybe favorite battle of all time in film history, but I don't like nothing about Helm's deep would make me want to be like, yeah, I want to go see Helm's deep or whatever, you know? So I'm sure there are places that I could, if I really wanted to spend more time to think about the million different places there are in Lord of the Rings, but, uh, and maybe all five of yours are places from Lord of the Rings, but either way. So I guess I, even in lines of, maybe even especially in lines of, I want to visit these places, not ne- not because of what happens there, but because of just the place designed in general, let's say Hogwarts. Like that place is cool. Yeah.
0: That's it, a, that's a solid pick.
1: Yeah. And even, even if you're this there, like, you know, a year after a year before Harry comes or whatever, you know, where everything is going totally smooth, perfect plan. There's no threat. There's no danger. You're just experiencing it. Yeah. Like that, that place. Is awesome. So cool. Joe, what's your second pick? Yeah,
0: I think I'd actually want to visit this place. Um, I have to say um, Halloween town from Nightmare for Christmas. It just seems so, so much fun.
1: How did I not even think of that? That's a perfect choice.
0: All the wild, like craziness that goes on. The opening number is just ridiculous. Like it kind of like it. It sells the entire world. Like it totally like builds everything up in within that one opening song. Um, I
1: totally can't believe I didn't think of either Halloween Town or Christmas Town. That's ri- both of those would have made my list. Right, right. Um,
0: yeah, Christmas Town showed up a lot of Like, yeah, Christmas Town is cool, but I don't know. I just really like Halloween Town. Maybe just because I'm super biased. because I, I just love Halloween. I think it's like a Oh this is this is I didn't
1: look I didn't look at lists. I look at my favorite movies of all time, which Nightmare Before Christmas is on there, but yeah, I didn't I didn't like Google fictional cities. that's why I overlooked it. Mm, my fault. Yeah, I mean, look if if we're doing a ranked top one through five, like Halloween Town or Christmas Town is number one, um, for sure. Dang. I'm going to save my my personal favorite one for last. So, I want to I want to just get my other Star Wars one out of the way. I think it's the most beautiful place we've ever been to in Star Wars. I think that's Scarif from Rogue One. I think that that planet is just gorgeous. And I think awesome. it 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 works aesthetically so well. Obviously, like if I were to visit it, I would want to visit it before the Empire conquers it, but like it looks so like calming and peaceful and blue and i it it is it is to me the most visually striking star wars planet that visually striking i don't know that could be mustafar but like i love scarif i think it's yeah so great uh so pretty and well thought out and designed and it would make sense why the empire would set up there but also like yeah just lots of i love the look
0: that's where that's where the third act takes place right yes it, it's yeah it's beautiful and it, i think it perfectly replicates like like vietnam and like tropical kind of like riddle warfare yeah. stuff like it really pairs really well with that which is like a ba- the basis of like what a lot of star wars is all about anyway so it's like
1: well and it pairs a lot with like thematically of like the this is the start of the empire right so this is the the it, i guess to me that start because this place takes place just before rogue one but this is before the empire is like blowing up planets you know it's it's the perfect like symbolism for the empire has conquered and destroyed and essentially taken away all the beauty from this planet, you know, because Scarif should absolutely be a vacation destination planet. Instead, it's just an empire base. Like, yep. Um uh, Anyway, I have two more. Joe, you have three more. Let's get one. Well, I don't know if you have five for total, but um, what do you have?
0: I put I mean, this, this may sound like initially kind of boring, but like the more you think about it, I think it would make more sense hill valley from back to the future like i just think it's super awesome because you could go to different time periods and different eras like and I, I feel like that could expand out like beyond the films like it's kind of weird it's like it's such an ip that's like rich for doing kind of more than they've done but like maybe that was for the best but like mm. i don't but i don't know i think it'd be really super interesting like especially in two like i love like the, the future yep. hill valley part
1: that part was always super cool to me
0: but you, you had to use your hands
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just, did you did you ever play the Telltale games Back to the Future game? No, I heard they were pretty good, right? It's really good. It's kind of long. It was like the first one Telltale games or yeah, it was. It was, I think it was the first like big Telltale game ones. Yeah. It was. And like, it's really long. And by the time you get to the Fick death, you're like, oh, this is like ridiculous. And how is the game not ended already? And like, it loses a little bit of its steam. But those first couple chapters are like excellent. And the, and the game as a whole is really good. <laughs> We'll check they just out. lose a little bit of steam and it's like, oh, this is like way too long of an experience. This is two or three games worth of story. Anyway, it's okay. really good. I'll check them out. The The one I have before my grand finale is, and again, thinking of places that I would want to go. Again, not necessarily the event during the, the events that uh, the film takes place, but the island in Glass Onion. It's off the Greek coast and there's a big... Fancy high tech place. I mean, I guess maybe I don't want to go since the whole place is again running on the helium power, which the whole place because that could then blow up at any minute. But like, it's a it's it's an island. There's plenty of places to go do whatever you want. There's the massive, gorgeous, uh the 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 a little home if you want to call it whatever. You know, the there's the home bar with your know, piano and billiards and massive giant gorgeous dining room with. Is it gorgeous, right?
0: it's a stunning movie. Like it has like a really, a lot of great set pieces.
1: Yeah. I, I would absolutely love to Airbnb that for a week. Uh, do you have one more or no? Yeah. Like, are you, or do you, do you have more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I,
0: I could always come up with no. Um, yeah. I have here. I I would not want to stay here, but I think the world is really cool and it's really edgy. And like, uh, I kind I, I like to take a noir stuff. So I'd say basin city from sin city. If you, if you like Frank Miller's writing, you probably will, uh, will agree with me also. And you'll, you know, Maybe want to spend like uh, maybe a few hours in Basin City. Probably not want to stay a whole day though.
1: Nice. All right. So my last one, my one that I'm really proud of, and again, I I, I thought of it when I was thinking of places that I would l- like to visit. Right. And I have. I'm gonna. I don't remember the name of the city, but um, the city from the Truman Show.
0: Oh, that is good. Yeah.
1: Because I am dying to see if I can find the hidden cameras. And fake walls, or just to see how completely real the the place felt. Like I would like would love to go. Like and again, this this is all the 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 city where it is. Again, I can't remember the name of the city that that it is. But like, there is a giant dome out there that has this whole city built into it, and everything that goes in and out of it is. But like, let's say I want to visit this like the day after Truman leaves, so like people aren't watching anymore. Truman's gone. But, like, everything kind of meant to kept Truman in is still there. So, you know, you get to see all the workings. I would love that.
0: That's a super interesting pick. It you yeah. know, totally makes sense the way you described it.
1: Mm-hmm. I just... Don't you want to go see, like, like... If you're not looking for it, right, you don't see all the hidden cameras and the... Like, I, one of my favorite things to do is I've loved... Like anytime, like interesting top, like you know, top ten list or whatever. Like what culture videos come across my YouTube, I I save them to my watch later, and eventually I just watch them. But like it seems like anytime there's like a here's a detail you didn't notice. There's a ton of times where like Truman shows ends up on that list. There are so many little details about that city and about the actors that are purposely put in the movie to where when you know the twist and when you, or not when you know the twist, when you know the story and you're able to watch it from outside of your eyes, especially when you're able to watch it for the fourth or fifth or sixth time where you're not even necessarily focused on what the movie wants you to focus on, but you're looking in like a different corner where you can see like a, like a, a mailman clearly like doing something out of the ordinary that nobody would ever do. Right. It's, I would love to go visit that city and just look around and, see the intricacies of its construction i feel like or, I feel and like, maybe the, the corners they skipped
0: i feel like wandavision especially the first three episodes kind of yeah kind of borrowed a lot from the truman show as far as like that like not knowing like
1: yeah absolutely. where they
0: were and like what the situation was and like yeah i was like yeah that's a super good pick it's really interesting i th- that'd be really cool if someone built something like that like the truman show experience and like they found some place i mean we have a place now in uh, the Bay area since uh, no one's going to be using the Oakland Coliseum. So <laughs> that'd be kind of cool to build like a Truman show experience there. <laughs> um, sure. where people can kind of hang out and like try to find cameras and like where they're being snooped on and stuff. Like, I don't know. That'd be really cool.
1: So, great pick. Um, do you have one more? Or you just want to move on to the spinoff? I mean, I
0: I'll say the cliche thing. Like I really like Batman. So I would say Gotham city. Yeah. yeah. I would, I wouldn't want to stay there. I, I don't even know if I want to stay outside of Gotham city. Like Bruce says, Just. Either, either way yeah. it does always seem kind of sketchy so sure
1: but i just like yeah, the way Goth- gotham and metropolis are easily like the two most iconic <laughs> fictional cities of all time yeah absolutely
0: yeah they just they're just awesome you know what i mean like the art deco stuff and like the really bright and shiny kind of like uh hopeful nature of like metropolis like i don't know they're just iconic for those reasons you know let, well, me, let
1: me ask you a question what is your favorite um fic- live action gotham that we've seen
0: live action gotham yeah oof um
1: because like we've got the 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 Burton ones, and then we've got I think the Schumacher ones are still like the same. I would set like I, I, I would
0: either say I would either say the Burton or I would say the Batman, but I'll probably say the Batman. I think I feel like the Batman has like their world building. It seems like the a character all on its own. If you know what I'm saying, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It seems it seems really dangerous and like yeah, like just a terrible place to live and like
1: that's yeah. fair. I just I'm so partial. I know it's because like I grew up in the suburbs. I'm so partial to the the Batman Begins and Dark Knight ones because um, those are filmed in Chicago. And so, oh like, yeah, they're great it. too. Yeah, like it's awesome. And, and the third one is filmed mostly in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but it, it feels like totally a different city. But like I don't know, like there's something about like the art and arch- architecture too. Like I like I love the. Like like the the style of structure that they really go for in Matt Reeves is the Batman, you know, where it's this very like gothic era, yeah, uh, very tall peaks.
0: Everything's pointy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, pointy. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> Matt, like big buildings and not just tall but wide. You can tell that this is a city that has been around for four hundred years and then built upon, like new on old. It's it, it's a really well crafted city, but it, yeah, it really it just, feels like seven. Like it, it really you can kind of really see sure. the the inspiration. I'm just, I'm just, I know, I know I'm biased. Um, but yeah, I'll go like Batman Begins or Dark Knight. But I mean, especially Batman Begins, I think, I think the Batman is is the right call.
0: (laughs) I think even Batman Begins is probably the best example of that, right? Like, it looks dingy and it looks dangerous and dark underground and like,
1: yeah, well, and, And even like the way that like it's it's obviously not just Chicago like they they have to CGI some things, you know, especially to make Wayne Manor the center of the building, you know, center. And then they put the monorail across everything. Uh, Not Wayne Manor, Wayne Tower. Yeah. Like, yeah, the the Batman and the Batman Begins both do really incredible jobs of making that be like. I do not want to live there, even if right. you know, even if I knew I would never be free from all the crime. It's like, I mean, I guess it would be really cheap to live in that city because there's so much crime. But like, we hope so. You know, they're just every every single sewer has steam coming up from it, and there's always you know trash on the side of the roads, and half of the light bulbs are always out. You know, like street lights. Uh-huh. So, um, let's move on to the spinoff then. Joe, what is that one in a, a thing in any area of pop culture that you're wanting to pe- tell people to check out or to stay away from?
0: Yeah, as usual, I got more than one thing, so I get them really fast. Um, as far as anime is concerned, um, Hell's Paradise is on, now on Crunchyroll. Um, they really like Jujutsu Kaisen and uh, Chainsaw Man. Uh, look this up. Um, they're very similar in tone. Um, documentary-wise, Pumping Iron. Um, I think everybody's seen Pumping Iron at this point, even if you um, are not aware of bodybuilding or don't even like it because Arnold aren't in it. Um, yeah, great documentary. I throw it on a lot, especially if I'm working out. Um, for video game, Resident Evil 4 Remake, um, I don't know how they improved on perfection, but they did. Uh, that game is amazing, and I'm going through my first playthrough right now. Um, yeah, If I didn't have a kid, I'd probably already be in it like 30 times already, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Very nice. You know what? I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do because me and my wife, we did a double feature watch earlier this week, so we watched Final Destination 3 uh, because we watch the first two like a year ago and they're fun i really like them and uh and we watch raiders of the lost ark because i want to get all four of them watched before dial of destiny comes out and so better to do it when you have time as opposed to like cram four movies in and on top of the rest of everything i got going on you know in the end of june or whatever so so yeah, Raiders, uh, watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, and then I also um, watch Guardians of the Galaxy. But um, two things. Number one, I'll have a Patreon review over there uh, soon. And I'm writing the review for ShiftPop.com. So you'll hear more thoughts from me there. So what I'm going to do is actually do a hot take. I'm going to recommend you avoid a specific video game series that is iconic and I think I understand why, but it totally unrightfully is so. So, I've been working through my PlayStation 3 catalog and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna give this game a try. So, I popped in Resistance Fall of Man and I did not enjoy it. And I started Resistance 2. I got about an hour into it and I said, nope. And I am interested in playing Resistance 3 only because like, I started looking at some gameplay for 3 and it looks like 3 is a wildly different game, more of like a survival horror than the other two um, with a different tone and a you know, a different plot line, you know, for to avoid spoilers, I guess, for anybody that still is going to play him um, after I'm telling you not to. What I'm trying to say is the first Resistance game to me, I played through it. It's about an 11 hour campaign and I thought it was mediocre. It's fine. The main character and any other characters you encounter are so bland and uninteresting. The game feels like a Halo ripoff, but it's, but. Like, cause like, it feels like it wants to be Halo. Um, but it's set on earth during world war two and, and in 1942, 52. So, but then it immediately forgets that it's 1952 and they give you a bunch of futuristic weapons and they explain it away by like the aliens case. So we had to modify our stuff. It's like, dude, let me run around killing aliens with a Thompson and an M1 Garand. Like that would be a much more enjoyable experience for me. Like if you remember that you're in 1952, not just have it be there for novelty sake. Also, I just the game is fine. It's it's okay. It's clearly PlayStation's answer to Halo. They had Insomniac Studio Games make a first-person shooter that they wanted to be a launch title for PlayStation 3 that was their rival to Halo. And you know what? It's fine. It's okay. And I play Resistance 2. I play about an hour of it, and I'm like, oh, so now it's just a Gears of War ripoff, except without the fun part of Gears of War, like chainsaw guns. So... Um, and I'm a big Gears of War fan. So anyway, I I watched this one reviewer on YouTube that I really like, G-Man Lives. And he also did not like the first one, which I think is a hot take. So I started playing the second one. And I'm like, I don't really know that I want to play this anymore. And I looked up his review and he said, yeah, it's worse than the first one. It's got a lot of issues. And I'm like, okay. But then I watched his review for three to see if I wanted to play three. He's like, that one's actually great. So I'm going to check that one out too. Anyway, point is, Resistance... Fall of Man and Resistance 2, at least, I could say, are way overrated. They deserve nowhere near the status that they are. If they were not PlayStation exclusives, nobody would remember these games in 2023. So, But because they were and because, especially in the early days of PlayStation 3, PlayStation fanboys needed anything that they could get their hands on to counter when Xbox people went like, we have Halo. So then they could be like, well, we have Resistance. And guys, there's no comparison. Halo's great. Resistance is fine.
0: Yeah, I don't even, I, I think nowadays that's, that's not even a hot take. That's just like fact. Like, they're the first, like, I th- I think what actually when I was at Test to Sony, like, that was in Test, uh, the sequel was. I, mean, I remember, I think I did a couple sessions on it. And I was like, the game's all right. That's about it. Yeah. That's how I felt about it. I was like, eh, you know, I wasn't if it, really if it was
1: multi platform, it. it just like a bunch of those other shooters, you know, we would have been like, oh, this yeah. is a Call of Duty and Halo ripoff. What was like it's the other one? It's fine, that, but we're going to move.
0: Try to think of the other ones that came out. There was like the Crytek one that came out.
1: Oh, like, the Crisis.
0: Yeah, Crisis. Like all these. Like, I like Crisis. And all of them are kind of like they're all kind of generic in a way. Like they're all trying yeah, to ride yeah, the yeah. coattails of like a Halo. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, But but,
1: but Crisis is fun, and Crisis Two is actually legitimately great. And and by the way, Crisis Two might be the best looking game on Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. That game like looked incredible. But yeah, no, yeah, I I I think it's just one of those people that it was a PlayStation Three launch title. And in that console generation, you know, they really needed an answer to halo and then gears of war came out and they needed an answer to gears of war. And uh, they never,
0: let's just say that spoiler. They never found it.
1: They right. Well, they never found it, but they came up with their own stuff and Microsoft decided to really stop caring. And they're like, we have halo and gears of war. That's enough. And then PlayStation comes out with, you know, Spider-Man ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Last of Us and Uncharted, yeah, like plenty of you know great, great games and IP that you know. Yeah, the other uh, then then they definitely won the we have the better exclusive properties,
0: but, but the, the shoe shifted over to the other foot when it came to the next generation, pretty much. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, but I yeah, I don't know, I don't know that that was Microsoft's plan. I think once they, I think once they got the idea of Game Pass, i are like, that's it, game over, Game Pass and backwards compatibility, and you know what? That's why I'm an Xbox main. Like that's why I. St- you know play most of my games on my xbox is game pass and backwards compatibility and i think performance is similar like there's anyway but yeah it it i think i i think it was overrated because they just sony needed something to grasp onto to be like guys we promise you this is great this is better than halo or this is this is our answer to halo so you better like it otherwise xbox wins
0: yeah it's 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 not great i played both of them they're not great
1: yeah, Spe- specifically, two, I played about an hour and I'm like, I do not want to play any more of this. Two, but one, really I managed like, I looks, managed
0: to work through it. It looks visually worse, too, which is
1: kind of, kind
0: of weird, too. Yeah,
1: that was interesting. And also, like, when you know the ending of two, like, and I knew the ending of two when it came out. So it's like, when you know the ending of two, even playing one, you're like, I know where this is going. And, like, I think it's cool. I think it's bold. But, like, you know, it really does. It really makes to not worth playing you know when you're like i know what happens you're just like all right cool like so so i would have to mindlessly shoot a bunch of aliens in this orange setting for nine hours to get to something that i already know is going to happen that ultimately doesn't really mean much but anyway i hear resistance 3 actually looks pretty good so i know it's available on playstation plus premium i'm gonna i'm gonna check that out whenever i switch over to PlayStation. so anyway <sighs> all right on that note that's a wrap Remember, you can follow Joe uh, on Instagram. I'll have his uh, handle put in the episode description. You can follow me on Twitter, letterboxed at ShwayCastle. And a quick reminder, Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com we you want to get in contact with the show, send us a question to explore during the B-plot, you can email at sifpop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you're listening over there, but only if you're going to give us five stars. I don't want anything less than five stars. Next week, Chantal and May will be joining me to talk about Inside Lewin Davis and Moulin Rouge. I'm really excited about that. Uh, In two weeks, Robert and Caleb will be joining the show to talk about the King of Comedy. And uh, Joe, um, next month, it'll just be me and you talking about Speed Racer. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I did want to throw out and mention to people, in case you didn't see the Twitter poll, or in case you're listening to this in the past, we did find the films that we will be covering next uh year. So it looks like we'll be doing, and this is tentative to change based off of the months, but the films that we will be doing are Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon tentatively in July. We'll do Westworld and Future World tentatively in August. The Green Lantern animated trilogy One Out the Hellboy ones. Or, sorry, not trilogy, but films One Out the Hellboy ones. Tentatively September, Dawn of the Dead beat out, I think Close Encounters. Um, so we'll be doing that in October akira in november beat out animatrix and old boy beat out robocop so we'll do that in december so um, that'll be the things that you can look forward to again any of those dates are subjects to change for now but uh that'll be this that's the six that you guys picked but uh we got to do speed racer before we get to any of those uh six and next week um chantal may will be joining me to talk about inside lewin davis moulin rouge we'll see you guys here next week